This is Sounds About Right, a University of Dayton Human Rights Center podcast where we dive into human rights issues in our world. We engage with student voices, uncover the truth from on and off campus partners, and share resources to the student body. Let's get started. Thank you for tuning in to season three, Identity and Belonging. This season, we interviewed individuals from both on and off campus to discover the intersections of identities and explore the different ways communities develop and maintain a sense of belonging. I think home for me is where I find joy. Um, home for me is where I find belonging, um, where my true, my true self, I can show my true self. They usually say you have three faces. So the faces you show your community, the face you show your family, and the face you show yourself. So the face I'm most comfortable to show, and the people I show that face to, that is usually home for me. So it could be for me, I um, my my personal home could be two places because I have a um, a support system around me that I built because this work is not easy. So my home is where I I feel completely at at ease, where I belong, where I can show my true self, and uh, with no fear of judgment of who Wendo truly is, my goofiness, my quirkiness. And, and there's no judgment, yeah. The work is driven by passion to see the end result much more than the remuneration, all right? And so um, my identity rather is a source of motivation for me, isn't it? But what I've, what I've found is that the characteristics of my identity that society, especially in the US, would say are disadvantages. To me were always they were always the things that gave my perspective heft. Mm -hmm. So um when I did get involved in politics, it was always this notion of, oh, you're too young. Oh, you're black. Oh, you live on the west side of Chicago. Oh, you're not wealthy. And it was always this sort of, these were disadvantages or these were things that you had to try to explain. Right. But my approach was, those are my qualifiers. Yeah, yeah, I live on the west side of Chicago. I'm a black woman, an African woman. I'm not wealthy by the traditional standards, mm -hmm. right? In terms of monetary wealth. Um, but these identities mean I have something to offer and something to share that folks can learn from, that can inspire people. Um, and so I never took an approach of feeling like I wanted to change my identity or alter myself or even hide parts of my experience. Yeah. Um, I just had to own and embrace it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to this notion of belonging, you know, there's always this, I mean, as human beings, we like to categorize things. We like mm -hmm. to... Um, put people in boxes. We like to um, we like to assign value also, and that's really fundamental, especially in the human rights context, where yeah. some of much of what we do is about the value that people, that human beings assign to other human beings based on characteristics like race, like socioeconomic status, gender. Um, ethnicity, you know, all of those different categories, we assign values to them uh, for better or for worse. And so this notion of belonging, the question is belonging to what? Right. Right. So what are we, what, what are we belonging to? 
So whether it's a community, a university, a club, that question of belonging to what? And then for the individual, the question is, is that something that I actually want to belong to? Meaning, what are the values that undergird that entity or that institution or that formation that you want to belong to? Are those values aligned with your values? Mm -hmm. From there, we can then make a calculation as to whether we want to be, do we consent to belong to that thing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And if the answer is yes, then, well, what what does it mean to belong? When I hear the the word belonging, I always couple it with mattering. And so I think those are two concepts that um, are becoming more buzzworthy, where more people are clinging to um, working towards outcomes of belonging. Mm -hmm. But when I personally think of belonging, I think that um, one should be a stakeholder. And so... I often cringe when I hear belonging um, as a synonym to being welcomed in a space. And more, I'd like to lean into mattering where one feels they are invested in and have an investment in the environment they're in or in um, the space in which they exist. And so Mm -hmm. belonging also for me isn't comfort, right? Mm -hmm. So I believe belonging also includes um, a little accountability and part of the investment is reaching that learning edge within the community or the environment Mm -hmm. in which we're in. So it's a little complex when I think of belonging, but I very much am um, outspoken about belonging and welcoming are two different things, but more so belonging to me requires some action and it does require, um, and I, I, I as well working for an institution don't feel belonging is the responsibility of be underserved or underrepresented. Mm-hmm. I very much think that the institution, organization, or society has the responsibility to create the structure, the framework mm-hmm. for what belonging could be built to be. Mm-hmm. And so from my experience, student development lens, it's very much we talk about belonging and students <clears throat> having a, a stronger sense of belonging, but the onus being put on the student mm-hmm. to create that or to discover that is not fair to the, to mm-hmm. the students. It's our job. Mm-hmm. So my son obviously goes to a predominantly white mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. Um, community in a sense, yeah. like community from Gambia or from Africa. Mm-hmm. We're not surrounded mm-hmm. by that. I mean, we're not actually surrounded by a lot of black folks in the community mm-hmm. that we live. Mm-hmm. And so part of what we've been um, navigating or trying to address is then how do we ensure that whilst he is able to deal in mm-hmm. white spaces is able to be also be culturally mm-hmm. responsive to when <laughs> he goes into predominantly black spaces. Yeah. Right? yeah. And there was this um, young lady I mm-hmm. met in one of the sessions that we have, um, uh, one of the dialogue, just talking about how an experience going, for example, into private school that was all white and then having to then go back into the community and what that, that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially for immigrants, we have that challenge <laughs> in relation to ensuring and trying to give obviously the best that you can give your kids mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. being able to navigate the spaces and the mm-hmm. walls that they find themselves but also knowing their culture and yeah. being connected to where they yeah. come from and where they are and I think you know when you flip it the opposite also is that um, teachers or professors mm-hmm. sometimes can seize that young boy and will say he's an American 
boy, right? But he's mm-hmm. not just an American boy. He's American. He's also Gambian, right? Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. that means, because when he comes home, he's eating our food. Yes. He's, yes. you know, we are speaking our language yes. and all of that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really factor as to what that brings into the class. And I find it interesting, you know, when I started, I, I taught a class back when I came and one of the students actually said, oh, since high school, this is the first time I had a black professor. Hmm. That was eye-opening for me, yes. um, coming from Seattle, which obviously has a different setup, right, mm-hmm. um, in, in, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that looks like, especially as it relates mm-hmm. to representation mm-hmm. in terms of what students see, as you were just saying, mm-hmm. about the mentorship and feeling that, you know, seeing other people that you feel like can be mentors, bringing their authentic selves to work mm-hmm. and having and showing up as well and getting into those spaces and yeah. building the rights and as well as other spaces. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'll say this, right? I've got to bro. Let's have a couple of thoughts about the role of higher education in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I said this once, and I believe this said, higher education is in a, in a business. And we're, we're in the business of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have a responsibility to cast a vision for what, is, what the future could look like mm-hmm. to the students. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. All our students. Mm-hmm. And um, to give them a sense of, uh, have them leave here with a sense of agency, which is, mm-hmm. these are the skills that they're learning, mm-hmm. right? Accounting skills, engineering skills, mm-hmm. lawyering skills. Um, mm-hmm. And that's giving you the agency to go and shape, shape the world that we're all going to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, Ali is going to determine what your kids' <laughs> world looks like, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, as people who are sort of in the business of the future and, and casting that vision, mm-hmm. it's important that we um, cast a vision in a way that says it's not necessarily casting like here. Here's what it is. Okay. It's there's the path, and mm-hmm. you go and make it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some of the, sort of the failure of institution is um, historically we have not had that sense of ownership of the future for everyone. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so yes. we haven't okay. for mm-hmm. women's women, people of color, um, mm-hmm. people who are LGBTQ plus, we haven't said that the future belongs to you. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think a, a, a part of our responsibility mm-hmm. as an institution for belonging is we don't only want them to feel comfortable here for the four years they're here. Yeah, We're going to say, be comfortable here. This is home. Come back. Mm-hmm. But volunteer and donate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, yeah, the future is yours. Mm. Go and make it a better place. Absolutely. And you have agency. You have power. You have value. You have you matter. Mm-hmm. Um, not just to yourself, but you matter to the world that we are living in mm-hmm. uh, and so that's kind of what i that's what i think higher education is about mm-hmm. and if we don't empower if we don't embrace that diversity we are failing ourselves and we're failing in the future yeah that's what i was thinking about as you were um, zach and mcintosh was speaking um the importance of collectivism and the importance of allyship mm-hmm. um is how we operationalize these things um, because I think it what tends to happen sometimes is this I mentioned earlier tokenism 
where, you know, there's a, there's enough for one person, you know, to be highlighted. And then somehow that one person represents a mon, you know, a, this monolithic way of thinking about groups. And it's, and it's not the case, but the way that we make impact is the strength of others mm-hmm. and, and allyship with others where we recognize um, we talk about vocation a lot and um, with the first year. So we talk about what are your gifts and talents? What do you bring? How are you going to use them? Right. And so it's recognizing that everybody has that, um, um, which is grounded in Catholic social teaching in terms of humanity and dignity of everyone. And so, but the way that you do that is by explicitly talking about it and recognizing it and then the action steps that are behind it. So, because what happens a lot is this performative piece mm-hmm. of, yes, we believe in social justice, we believe in equity, and your words are eloquent and they're beautiful, and there's still practices that marginalize women. There's still practices that marginalize um, people who have special needs or who are, you know, English is not their first language. I think that rooted, grounded in who I was, celebrated in Jamaica as a black woman who was a force. Uh, that gives me joy. And it, 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 it's also a reminder when I feel challenged in that space. It does not, it removes a lot of the blind spots that people may have because I am aware of the dominance of this space. I think though that within this space, I have found community. You belong. Because you were born with human dignity. You belong because you're called into this space to make a difference, to add cultural funds of knowledge. Um, I just, I just, I, I've mastered the art of keeping my head down with my ears open. I don't really like to be out too much unless it's around people that I consider part of my culture, part of my family, part of people I identify with. So, I mean, I really didn't do too much. I was just, I heard stuff about Batu my freshman years during COVID. So I was joining their meetings on Zoom, but not, I wasn't too active until we were actually starting going outside more. And I would go more to the meetings actually be in person. So now I know you, most of you guys are upperclassmen or seniors. Do you feel like you belong at UD now? No. Um, there's a, I had a strong mentor, black male professor, which is, Honestly, I can't think of any other black male professor other than him. He's gone now. Um, his name was Dr. Chad Sloss. He was very inspirational to me in furthering my education, my own research towards black people and not even black people, just more communities of color, how we work together and how we're very impacted by um, those people at the top that make these laws and changes and rules and stuff like that. And in situations like that it really makes you think, I mean, as a black man myself, there are black students around me. There are black faculty members, but is there a black professor that could honestly, I mean, I had a dad, which was good and, and positive for me, but that was a professor that was definitely, could have been a father figure to a lot of people, a lot of young black men, um, black women as well. He just, he didn't cut corners. He didn't bullshit. He kept it straight up and he told you how it was and how it's going to be. And I feel like UD getting Whatever UD did to not safeguard his position here, I feel like that is a way to push me and myself up. I think sometimes AUD, for students of color, you have to find belonging. 
like as much as it like UD screams community it is a it's a broader community but finding those smaller communities can be a bit bit challenging especially when you come in in a year where not everybody is so visible um for me like yes I was active in Batu my first year but that's a virtual space I can't say that I made any like long-lasting connections outside of me being involved in Batu um but I just think it's it can become difficult to find to find those belonging spaces. I don't know that it's as easy to be like, oh, I love being a flyer when I don't know that I identify as a flyer because I don't I don't gel with the broader UD community. Like you said, they shouldn't be worried about, okay, we're doing symbolism. We're gonna put some stuff outside so y'all can see it. No, go join the walk. There's a walk happening downtown, five five minutes away. Go out there and walk and support with people. Show them that you care. You can't just like, okay, we can see it on campus, but who else is going to see that? They're going to see you when you're actually out there doing something. Like it can't just stay on campus. They always say beauty community. We're part of Dayton's community. Go be a part of Dayton's community. Why are we only in our little part of Dayton? I would also just, uh, I would emphasize that I do not feel like I belong here, but I don't necessarily feel like I'm not wanted. Like I feel like I'm wanted here, but as I said earlier, I don't feel like this is my place, my space, nor, I mean, even if I do my best to make it my space, I still would only feel like I'm being pulled. And I still feel that push. Like they don't want who I am. They want, or they don't want who I am and what I represent. They want what I can represent for them. And I don't bode well with that. A lot of pride um, with all of my complexities, all of my identity, especially in seeing people who have very similar identities to me. I think like, I did an interview with Dr. Nino Nene and Dr. McIntosh, and with this these same these similar things, and watching them speak about themselves in the way that they did, and like be themselves in that very moment, like by proxy gave me just so much joy, so much pride, and like so much love because it was like they were the embodiment of just being who you are in a space that doesn't inherently accept you, but they've already accepted themselves. So for me. I think it's just like I strive to be that way for myself and for other people. So my identity has become very much like a power source of sorts. Yeah, echoing Tierra, um, my identities definitely have pushed me to be involved in places that I do belong in. Um, me being part of Batu, me being part of Word or Women of Marco Distinction. Um, those are places that are near and dear to me because they're parts of me. Um, where's the service organization? I have a very, I, if to know me, to know I love to serve people. So those are the, finding those things that are a part of me in other spaces, I think helps me with my identity and my belonging. I don't think they conflict because I found those spaces.